If you remember back to the beginning of the year, we talked a lot about neighbors and nations. And I thought it would be a great time to revisit both of those ideas. Loving our neighbors as ourselves and making disciples of all nations. So we're going to do that this week and next week. So if you have a copy of scripture, turn with me to Luke chapter 10, and we're going to start reading in verse 25. It says, on one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? This expert in the law was trained in the Hebrew scriptures, and they taught the Hebrew scriptures. And he asked Jesus a question. When God sets up his forever kingdom on earth, how do I know I'll be in it? It says in verse 26, what is written in the law? He replied, how do you read it? He answered, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, with all your strength and with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. You have answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this and you will live. Jesus knows that he's trying to test him, so he just turns it around. How do you answer? And he quotes two scriptures from the Old Testament. Jesus had talked about these two laws, loving God with everything in you and loving your neighbor as yourself. In Matthew's gospel, and there he says that all of the law and the prophets hang from these two commandments. And we see that in the Ten Commandments. The first half are all about loving God with everything that's in us. Don't have any other gods. Uh, Don't make any idols. Uh, Don't take the Lord's name in vain. And then the second half is all about loving your neighbor as yourself. Don't lie. Don't uh, steal. Uh, Don't uh, covet. All of the law and the prophets hang from these two. Jesus says if you do these two things you'll be fine. Verse 29, but he wanted to justify himself, so he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? What he wants to know, Jesus, do you interpret love your neighbor as yourself lightly or in a strict way? Ephesians chapter 4 says, don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth. Some of us interpret that very lightly. Some of us interpret that very strictly. I have some pastor friends who sometimes will sprinkle in curse words in their messages, and and not on accident, on purpose. They interpret it very lightly. We also know some people who won't even say, gosh darn it, because it's just replacement words for unwholesome talk. And this expert wants to know, Jesus, when it comes to loving your neighbor as yourself, are you on the light side of interpretation or on the strict side of interpretation? Now, Jesus is a master storyteller. And so what he does is he tells a story so that the expert will see the answer for himself. So Jesus replies in verse 30, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. The road between Jerusalem and Jericho was known to be very dangerous, and a gang of robbers has come upon this traveler. They've taken everything that he has, including his clothes. They've beaten him within an inch of his life. And if someone doesn't intervene, he is going to die. Verse 31. A priest happened to be going down the same road. And when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So too a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. This priest, he he stood for purity and power in their culture. In order to serve in the temple, in God's house, you had to be pure. You had to live pure, but then you had to go through all of these these rituals of purity. So to the people, a priest equaled purity. 
And they were powerful because to be a priest, you had to be born in a specific tribe within Israel and then a specific family inside of that tribe. And so they were a role model for all Israelites. The Levites were assistants to the priests. So they worked hand in hand with the priests in order for the, the temple to, to do its daily offerings and sacrifices. So together, this is the pinnacle of Jewish religion. And it says that these two, they pass by on the other side. Now we can speculate to why they did that, what their excuses were. Maybe they were on their way. They had somewhere to be. Maybe the priest didn't want to become ritually unclean by interacting with a dying man. Uh, maybe they were just scared. Uh, last fall, Amanda and I were driving on the freeway and a car just zoomed around us. And as they were switching lanes in front of us, they clipped a, a box truck uh, just ahead of us and the box truck 70 miles an hour starts spinning and then uh, then flipping over and they say that kind of thing happens in slow motion and that's exactly what my experience was in slow motion I, I saw the man driving the box truck uh, actually upside down and mid flip just suspended uh, from his seat belt and, and after everything had settled down I, I got out I mean we were we were right there and ran over to the to the truck to check on him, and I knew I needed to do it. I, I wanted to do it, but I'm going to be honest, I was nervous about what I was going to find. And so it could be that the priest and the Levite, they were having these feelings too, but whatever their justification for passing by on the other side, it's clear that Jesus thought it was the wrong decision. In fact, some Bible scholars believe that Jesus is using some, uh, some wordplay here, because in the English language, it says they passed by on the other side. That's a lot of words. But in the Greek language that Luke's gospel was written in, it's just one word, and that one word starts with anti. So it could be that Jesus is making a point that the priests and the Levite, the pinnacle of Jewish religion, were anti this man hurt and bleeding and dying on the side of the road. Now, if you had asked them, they would say, no, 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 we're just on our way. Here are our excuses. But Jesus makes it clear this is not a neutral thing that they are doing. They're making a deliberate choice. And it just shows us that it's possible to be zealous for God's law, God's word, and totally miss God's heart. Because that's exactly what they do. And in fact, it could be that their religion and, and our religion is masking the fact that we are not loving our neighbors the way that Jesus would intend us to do. And before we move on, I just want to give a, just a, a, a word to anybody in our church family who feels like they're the ones on the side of the road beaten and bloody and left for dead. And you look out and you just see person after person passing you by. And most hurtful of all, Christian after Christian passing you by. I, I just want to remind you what you already know, that the scripture says that God is near the brokenhearted. And it, it's very possible that God's people are ignoring you and ignoring your wounds and ignoring your pain right now. But God is not. The scripture is also clear that when he does set up his forever kingdom, he will settle accounts. And the injustice that you have experienced, you will be repaid with his justice. The priest and the Levite, they pass by, they ignore the man. Verse 33. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was. And when he saw him, he took pity on him. So Jesus is just touching all of the hot-button issues of his day and our day. He's talked about how maybe their religion was not measuring up. 
Now he's talking about race. And in just a second, he's going to encourage people to do something specific with their money in order to help people. Because he uses the Samaritan as a hero, which is the last thing that this expert in the law would have expected to hear. Because there is a seed in all of us that says same is safe, different is dangerous. What this expert in the law would have assumed that he was going to hear is that a Jewish man came by and saved the day. But that's the opposite. He would have expected that the men who robbed and beat this man would have been the Samaritans. But Jesus doesn't do that. Because he's ripping the heart out of our prejudice. And we're seeing these ideas spring up all over our country right now because of this coronavirus. They're always there, but we're seeing them specifically now. Like the way that some Asian Americans have been harassed as if they are to blame for this virus. Or uh, men of color, black or Latino, wearing their PPE masks into a Home Depot or a Lowe's or a store, the same as the rest of us are doing, and yet they're the ones who are followed by the security guard because all of us have that seed in us. Same is safe and different is dangerous. But here in the story of the Good Samaritan, Jesus flips that on the head. Now, the Samaritan would have had plenty of excuses to not stop and help the Jewish man who was bleeding and dying. Those two nations hated one another. In fact, if you looked at a map from the day, Samaria is, is smack dab in the middle of Israel. And the, the Israelites in the north, if they wanted to go visit the Israelites in the south in Jerusalem, they would walk all the way around Samaria. They would not cut through. He would have had every possible justification to just keep walking like the priest and Levite did. But he didn't do that because look at what it says. It says that he took pity on him. He didn't let his prejudice run free. He didn't let his excuses run free. He let his compassion run free. And look what he does. Verse 34. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have had. So his compassion turned into action. It says that he takes oil and wine and he pours it on the man's wounds. This is, would have been for disinfecting and healing. Uh, he bandages his wounds. He puts him on his donkey and carries him to the inn where he gives the innkeeper more than enough money for his recovery. So the juxtaposition is interesting. The, the expert in the law who started all of this, he wants to, to, do, to know what's the bare minimum I have to do in loving our neighbor. But the Samaritan in the story is going way beyond what is even necessary for this man's recovery. Verse 36. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hand of robbers? The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. And Jesus told him, go and do likewise. 
Go and do likewise. This all started with a philosophical question. Do we interpret loving our neighbors in a strict way or in a light way? But it has ended with a very specific instruction. Go and do likewise. And, and we see people in the world doing that. Like, for example, and, and I want to pronounce his name right, Don Giuseppe Berardelli. He's an Italian priest. And last month, he, he got the, the virus, and he needed a ventilator to survive. But it was at the peak of when Italy had the highest cases of the virus, but the lowest amount of ventilators. And so there wasn't one available to him. The, the parishioners of his church, they, they pulled their money together and they bought him a ventilator. And they, they went to give it to him and he refused. He refused because he knew there were other people in their community who needed that ventilator more than he did. And so he sacrificed his life for love of neighbor. And the question we're tempted to ask ourselves this morning is, if, if we had been walking along the road that day, would we have stopped to help this man? But that's not the question that Jesus wants us asking ourselves. Not would we stop and help this man, but will we stop and help the next man, the next woman that we see who needs compassion. Go and do likewise. If we genuinely follow Christ, we will follow Christ to people who are hurting. Why? Because that's the gospel. Because Jesus saw us broken and bloody and dirty because of our sin. Romans chapter 5 verse 8 says that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He picks us up and carries us into eternal life. He paid our debt with his very own blood. If we follow him, we will follow him to people who need compassion and people need the compassion of Christ now more than ever. And I think the clearest presentation of the gospel comes from someone who has their neighbor's dirt and blood on their shirt. Go and do likewise. The Samaritan saw the man. Go and do likewise. The Samaritan stopped, go and do likewise. The Samaritan had compassion, go and do likewise. The Samaritan offered something for his wounds, go and do likewise. The Samaritan picked him up and carried him, go and do likewise. And the Samaritan shared with him for his recovery, go and do likewise. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. God, we say together, we want to do that, but maybe easier said than done. So would you fill us with your spirit now? Help us follow the command of the Lord Jesus Christ to love you with everything that's in us and to love our neighbor as ourselves. We ask this in his name. Amen.